that. Let me welcome on our guest, Saints and Pelicans correspondent, our friend, Gus Kattengill, Saints and Pelicans correspondent. I don't know that he's had his coffee yet, but but he's here. He's here with us early on a Friday morning. Um, good morning, Gus. Don't you, you got a caffeine drip going yet or what? How, what? What do you do when you just need to like get that jolt in the morning? I don't normally do it, to be honest. I used to. I used to do a, a ton of... Um, I remember. I guess, well, not a ton. I, I, I would always have my coffee and everything, but I honestly, I, I think your caffeine drip, as you would know, it's called... Carver's up. Yeah. <laughs> so, Daddy it's kind of like you really don't. Yeah, it's kind of you really don't. You have to go, right? I mean, he's up right now. So, you know, once that wakes up, it's, you know, it's breakfast. And the dog needs to go outside. And then you got to go. Okay. Then you look at the clock. And so I think the, the jolt is time, time constraints, knowing you got to get stuff done and, and that you have a little human waking up. So, um, that's probably the way you wake up. But yeah, I would say, you know, probably a cup of coffee, uh, when you do, but I, I, I have a, as you know, I like to go in the morning and hit the gym after I get some time here and it's, um, I have a, uh, a pre-workout, you know, drink and that kind of, I guess does that. I, uh, I remember years ago when we worked at the same company and we were there early. I mean, our shifts began before 5 a.m., and you were in like a yeah. little different part, and you know they had this producer named Jeff that always come and mess with me because I was I was in a studio of a different station, all on the same floor of a building, um, just down the hall. But like I was by myself, so sometimes I would just be in there like with the lights dim, like just like slowly trying to wake up, and then I'd walk over to y'all side. There's a bunch of y'all, and there's Gus with this cup of coffee the size of his head, just already just like what's up man good morning what's going on i'm like dude i I haven't had my four diet mountain dues yet you know um (laughs) so like you know you were you always had like some peps in the morning and i was in my early 20s like you know maybe went out the night before i'm like what what am i doing here i'll definitely say that i i've always and i think that shift that job helped with that scott um because the first sports cast was what five 15, yeah, I think, yeah, in the morning. Yeah. So um, when I first started, I did that seven years. So your your body kind of got used to it, and I've always been a morning person. But, dude, it's 3.30. You're up, you know, shower, get a car. Um, it's a different world, man. You better start working. Yeah. yeah, you better start working on your stuff before then. So, yeah, I mean, um, yeah, by the time you saw me, um, I mean, I was like two two and a half hours, three hours. So, I mean, I guess I was up. And, yes, during that time of my life, um, I, I drank a lot of coffee. <laughs> a lot of coffee, to be honest with you. Yeah. ESPN1420.com. Um, before we talk uh, a little bit about and uh, the Pelicans and a, and a Saints question, uh, UFC 264 is tomorrow night. McGregor versus Lafayette's own Dustin Poirier. Trilogy fight. Fans back in Vegas, main event, um, some epic trash talking last night uh, between them. And anyone listening that missed it, you can check it out on our app or at the ESPN1420.com. Uh, what, what's what's the pulse like over there in New Orleans for something like this? Is it is it a little higher when it's a, a, a Louisiana native? Is it higher because it's Conor McGregor, who is arguably, you know, not arguably, I think probably the most recognizable current guy in the MMA game? 
You know, he's kind of bigger than the sport. Or is it kind of not really even talked about? Like, what's the pulse over there in NOLA when it comes to uh, to this? I would say I, in terms of, like, pulse, in terms of, um, like, show calls and takes, there are so many people right now that are just locked in <laughs> on um, fixing the pals, <laughs> hiring a coach, um, and, and seeing what they're seeing in the finals. And then, Scott, as a, you know, it's crazy to think, and I'm sure we'll get into this, but um, three weeks from today, you'll be asking me about the first practice. You know, there'll be day two for the Saints training camp. Oh, yeah. Three weeks from today. Yeah, so it, yeah. it, it's kind of nuts that it's kind of looking like that. Um, I would say the, the calls, the, hey, are you watching sort of stuff is um, has picked up since probably – Tuesday, Wednesday, you know, going into it. I mean, we, we've had somebody on to talk about it. You know, we've touched on it from that nature. But, yeah, like, you know, it's crazy you bring that up because I think one of the points that somebody that the coach nationally was bringing it up is that the one thing that's always sort of followed Connor, and, and, and it's just it's just that, uh, that, that national desire to sort of like, hey, I must watch. I, I guess what I'm getting at. You know what I mean? What are they? Two eighty six, two something. I mean, they've had a bunch of these fights, right? Um, but you can sort of remember the ones that certain people were in, if that makes sense to you. I mean, it's it's just oh, he's in it, or sure. she's in it. Yeah. So certain guys um, elevate the card more than others, Absolutely. and Connor is Connor is one of those guys, no doubt. He does, and you know, and it's crazy because you know what in the in in, in the last <sighs> fight that he was in, I mean. You know, it, it wasn't sort of like that, but I guess it's sort of, you know, a great player that maybe, um, or a great athlete could, could, could have one like, you know, I say like that? Boxing, I mean, a movie, one last round or <laughs> something like that, right? But, you know, I guess at this point in his career, I don't know, he's, I would say some of the most uh, things that have happened as of late has been probably, like you said, the trash talking and the words and stuff like that. Getting but, knocked out. When 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 these two kind of go at it, it's it's kind of um it's definitely entertaining, you know. I liked so, last night when I uh, at the press conference, someone asked Connor a question, and uh, our boy Dustin, we call him our boy. He's you know he's from here. He's been on the show. Just you know lives here when he's not training. Like Daniel Cormier is from here as well, but uh, but DC, you know he well he grew up here, right? But he doesn't still live here. I mean, this is Dustin's home. So obviously he's he's got a lot of fans here, but uh, I like I like you know he's improved a lot on his trash talk game and the psychology of it. And last night he jumped in, you know, Connor sitting there talking a lot of trash. Then someone asked Connor a question, and here's what Dustin said: Connor, in the build up to the last fight, you were on Dustin. Now on fight week, it's the exact opposite. So when did that switch happen? Because he got knocked the f- out. Not McGregor fast, McGregor sleep. And look, the fans in the audience just eating it off the platter, man. You know, like it. It. I, I think it's going to be a very um, strong pay per view from you know in terms of buys and a financial standpoint. I just hope these guys have a, a great fight. I mean, the over under in terms of if you want to bet on like it's plus four hundred to go the distance, minus three hundred to end you know, via KO or TKO, like somebody's probably getting knocked out. It happened in the first two fights. I wouldn't bet on it maybe happening in the first round, but at some point in the middle, 
I would expect a knockout. And, you know, Dustin knows that when, when he gets a fight with Connor, how much it elevates his brand, how much it changes his life, the financial difference it makes when yeah, you fight him, McGregor, as opposed to just exactly. when you're when yeah. you're in a title fight, which Dustin's been a champion before, and yet when he won the champion in his weight class, he didn't get the attention he got n- nearly as much as when he knocked out Conor McGregor as much as he's getting now, and now he's promoting the hot sauce. And I'm I'm really happy for him, but you know, he said this Saturday is going to be the pinnacle of his career. If he can beat Conor again, and it's it's a memorable fight, and and there's some just haymakers in there, uh, it's going to be one of those like you said that folks may not always remember the number, but they're going to remember the pay per view. They're going to remember the rivalry, and I think that in this sport, at least right now, that's how you kind of cement yourself outside of your hardcore fight fans, right? Your casual sports fans, they remember Daniel Cormier, John Jones, because how heated that rivalry is, right? The greatest rivalry ever, Tito Ortiz, Chuck Liddell. This is a, you, a, you could, I could show a casual sports fan those pictures. They're like, oh, yeah, I remember that, or I know that. Fight fans, they, they know them all. But the casual sports fan, this fight tomorrow night has a chance to cement itself into the minds of all of those folks, and that's whenever – you know what? Those paychecks get a whole lot bigger. Yeah, no doubt. And, and I think what's interesting is there was definitely a while, and I'm not saying that it's not believable, and I would probably um, go back and forth with you uh, with knowledge uh, about you know the state of MMA or, or where UFC is. But I mean, there was a point in time, obviously, when you had Ronda. You know, you talk about Corey, him, McGregor, or just where. I don't know, Scott, you could argue you probably had more recognizable names in MMA than boxing, right? And because to the point where I've had this conversation with a couple of boxing analysts where there's been a resurgence in boxing, I would say, in the last five to seven years. Um, you should probably know some names on some fighters, you know, and 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 – in different classes, from your heavyweights, you know, maybe Tyson Fury sort of helped. You had, you know, Dante Wilder. I mean, you, like, I could actually name probably seven boxers where I would say five, seven years ago, dude, other than Mayweather, you know, like you just you just couldn't. Um, and, and you start you you start seeing kind of uh, research on that, and it goes back to the point that you were talking about, um, Scott, about why a fight like this, you know. Helps us. It's just wait, wait, he, Connor just has that name recognition, has that that thing, and you Charisma, know, kind of UFC right now is, you know, I mean, you have what you have a female fighter that I want to say has one more and is like has a streak that's more than Ronda Rousey, but you knew when Ronda Rousey was fighting, sure. like you knew, right? I sure. mean, like you, I mean. To you be to be musty TV, like to be a name above the card. Or to be a name that can carry something outside of the right, sport, you got to you got to be able to win. But you also have to have a certain kind of charisma, and uh, and no doubt McGregor's got it, and his his bank account proves it. Uh, I'm looking forward to it, and uh, go Dustin Poirier all the way. ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com. Scott Prather, Gus Catengill with us. Suns up two zero. They've held serve. Um, Giannis was. Incredible last night, but it didn't matter. The Suns still win double digits. I mean, Mikhail Bridges is out there dropping 27. The Phoenix fans in the stands look like they're all at Bonnaroo. I mean, it is a, it is a, it's a whole like lifestyle that fan base. I tell you what, man, it's something. But um, Monty and Chris Paul two championship, and 
I before the series started, Gus, I picked him to win, but I really do believe Milwaukee takes game three on Sunday. I don't think you can cap Milwaukee out yet. I mean, everybody's saying, oh, they're not making changes or they're not. No, I, I think Jalen Rose said that halftime. They in the first half, they tried to do all kind they did all kind of changes and game adjustments. It just wasn't working. I mean, Phoenix was just Devin Booker was just on. And um, I don't know, man. I, I the the Suns and four thing is fun to say because of the meme, but I think Milwaukee Suns are going to win the series. The Milwaukee's going to bounce back on Sunday. I think we're going to get more than just four games in this series. I think at some point it's going to be at a place where we're like, eh, I mean, could Milwaukee do it? I don't think they're going down three zero on Sunday, but maybe after last night's performance, you feel different. I don't know. You know. It's interesting. Um, this this sort of series so far, and really the Suns, um, in this postseason, I don't know, maybe for you when you're talking tells and stuff, because I think you and I have talked about this, where whether you like it or not or, or anything, I, I think we watch certain things with, what, black and gold colored glasses or, you know, blue, red, and white colored glasses, the Pelicans colors are, I mean, at least I do, right? I always look at it. Um, with that, at least uh, at least that tint. And what I mean by that is, you know, obviously you're sitting here looking at, man, where are the Pels and how far are they? What makes the Suns work? And it's sort of like you always talk about when it comes to the Saints, you know, copycat league with the NFL and um, how other teams try to build their teams and things of that nature. And, and stop, to, I, I want to say I even approached it with you as well that I was talking about it. Remember when I was like, you know, can you make the case or are you, you know, that maybe it should have been Ja or, you know, over Zion. And it's not over or anything that Zion isn't good, can't be good, can't be a guy or anything. It, it's literally simply based on in today's NBA with the three-point shot being so crucial that you could almost make a case and argument, I think, that a dynamic score, point guard, can be more effective than a than a dynamic or, or, or key big. Um, and, man, as these games continue to go and you see what you saw last night, you know, it, 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 is, is it another, I would say, feather in the cap, but is it another way to, to reason to say, okay, you know, maybe that is the way you look at it because Giannis dropped, what, 40? I mean, he's – he played like an MVP. 42 dude. points. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. I shorted him a bucket. I mean, <laughs> the guy the guy was uh, the guy was unbelievable, man. He was unbelievable. And, and like like what I'm going like, back and forth. <laughs> just I mean, when you saw what happened to his knee like a little over a week ago or 2 weeks ago, it's like we're looking at it we're like, "Oh yeah, we Yeah, he might not walk until, you know, next Mardi Gras." And then he's out there like game 1, you're like, "Whoa." You see him last night. You you, you almost forget um, of, of that 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 fall he took. He truly is a great he, freak. He, you know, you threw it out there like you said, like and you know he's out there game one. I didn't think I thought for sure they'd rest him game one, try to get him ready to go game two, um, and that's not at all what they did. And not just that, guys. In that game one, when he played. Um, in that first quarter, I'm texting people. I'm like, uh, this guy's playing like an MVP. You know, I mean, that guy not only played game one, but he played really well in that first quarter. But that's kind of what I was getting at is, I don't know what more you would want from him or, or he can do. And 
God, it didn't matter from this aspect. It because it, it goes to the conversation we've had when we've talked about Pels all season. You have got to have a backcourt. Now, I understand what you're seeing right now is incredible. Um, and, and I think that's maybe where I'm looking at it from, you know, hearing out, you know, do I just look at this as, Scott, this is just one of the most remarkable runs by a team that has to sort of stand on its own, mm-hmm. right? Or mm-hmm. is this the recipe for winning? What I mean by that is you, you have to have a backcourt. You have to have shooting. I mean, I'm I'm texting back and forth the U-turn because we were making this point on the air yesterday, and it's just like you, you keep looking at it, and, you know, it it's in front of your face, though. I mean, uh, it's why Atlanta could, could play and, and won some of those games. You had shooting, yes. You had Trey Young. But you have to have shooting. And if, you, and if you can't score, which I know sounds absurd, but we literally have an NBA right now where we have max players that can't shoot. <laughs> it's like, um, and, you know, and again, I, and I saw he dropped the I'm in the lab video and there's Lonzo. And I, I, I just keep saying with – if you're going to have Zion, and, and again, it's about fit. It's about finding your identity. How are you going to sort of help? Look, DeAndre Aiden had a killer game in game one, but his 22 kind of canceled out Giannis's 20, right? Giannis had 17 boards. DeAndre had 19. So the difference was the backcourt. I mean, the, you know, Drew Holiday is, oh, my gosh, 21 of 28 missed shots. He's only made you know, six, seven shots or whatever. Um that's that's not going to cut it. And, I, I mean, it's almost like I get the queasy feeling because I remember watching Pell's games this season where you're like, you're literally, you know, it's the phrase, Scott, you know, going to a gunfight with a knife or whatever the phrase goes. It's just you, you are so far behind, man, if you cannot get shots. And you add shooting. I think you add role play on that Suns team. Look, what is it, 113 points scored in two games by Booker and Paul in these finals. Aiden puts up his, but then you have what Payne does. You have what Cam Johnson does. And, by the way, they all play defense. You know, and then you have Mikael Bridges, who you – I mean, imagine being a Philly fan right now, Scott. You literally have a max point guard that can't shoot, won't shoot, is scared to shoot. And you drafted Mikel Bridges in 2018. He could have been a 76er. Um, and, you, and you traded him. So, you know, it's crazy when you look at that. But that's they have depth. And the other thing, too, Scott, they play defense. Like, they all do, right? Devin Booker yesterday after the games talked about, yeah, Bridges is great. He had that, that, that game yesterday, career high, has this moment. But he literally said, but he covers the other guy's best player on offense. And and it's I, I just I look at the Pels team, man, and I, I don't know if it's the, these playoffs and the Phoenix Suns have helped me be hopeful, or at times, as my intern tells me on the air, it's made me be more bitter and more <laughs> like. Nah, let's let it know, man. Hopeful. Positive vibes only. Not Come on, positive know, vibes only. Man, but I just I just look at that roster, Scott, and and you look at what you're seeing. And like I said, maybe I need to maybe I need to do that. Maybe I look I need to look at it as what we're seeing is one is one of those great runs. You know, we've seen it in baseball before. Your Mets, 
Scott, you know, and I forgot. Yeah, they still lost in 2015. But, yes, they, they I, I slaughtered your Cubs. Who was that guy? Yeah. I mean, the, the dude was some I – mean, the guy had, like, the greatest postseason run in the history. Of Daniel Murphy. That's him. That's uh, my boy. And then he got a huge contract from the Nats out of it. But that postseason, it was just like, who is this guy? Like, what's going on? Yeah, he was the greatest baseball player, you know, since Babe Ruth. But – that's what I'm saying. It's like, do, do you just look at like that? And obviously history will tell us, you know, do they stick around for a bit? Are they a legit um, contender for the next two, three years? Or are we going to be seeing the Suns in the Western Conference Finals, um, you know, considering them a championship contender? But, dude, it's hard not to because they're young. They, they have so many pieces under 25 other than CP. And, and again, as I just said it, man, like, you know, yesterday on the show I said, um, David Griffin's three principles that he thinks this team needed to have, the Pelicans in the offseason had to have, they were shooting, basketball IQ, and toughness. And I said, after watching this postseason and watching this team that's two wins away from an NBA Finals, I got my three that I think are just important um, that can apply not just to the Pels but anybody that I'm seeing exhibit by the Suns. And if you're – listening right now, you know, like, you know, my Pels aren't in or, you know, who cares about the NBA? If you remember back in the day, some of those teams that you loved um, that did it right, that, you know, didn't flaunt or you didn't care for their personality or, oh, it's just about offense. Watch the Suns team, man. I'm begging y'all because they have the three qualities that I think, Scott, leadership, accountability, and buy-in. And those are the three things that so important that I don't think the Pels have. And, but you look at Phoenix and they absolutely have that. They have that leadership. You hear, pick a, pick a, pick a member of that team, any team, any member, dude. And they're talking about the leadership qualities. They're talking about the extra work, the hard work. Chris Paul yesterday after a game saying, look, I, you know, I don't get nervous in this team doesn't because we focus and work into things at practice and still at us. We work and focus on a little thing in games and game two this season, knowing that we could be here. Just that's the kind of stuff dude fans can get behind. They're fun to watch. Um, they share the basketball. That one possession, and, Gus, last oh, night where like dude. every guy that's the, like this it's the kind of thing that like your old coach from like little league, if like you're still in contact with him, will be like he'll send it to you. Probably like, you know. A couple of days from now, because he knows you're on the radio, Gus will be like, "Do you see this? Like, this is this is my kind of basketball. That's the way. Like, that's that's what that that's what that that's uh, right possession was like, right? Exactly. Yeah, right. I mean, it's beautiful to watch, dude. And I don't know, Scott. What do you think? Do you, I mean, do, do you think you have to look at this as just man? It's one of those greatest runs. Well, I, I think you have to look at. I think you have to look at Chris Paul's age. I think uh, I do think you have to look at it as a great run. I think you look at Phoenix as a team that's not going anywhere, but. There's no guarantees getting back to the finals, man. None. The amount of roster turnover and, and superstar um, era in terms of uh, player, you know, superstar player empowerment, like you just don't know. Like I, I think the Suns, I don't think they're like going to go back to not being a playoff team or anything like that. But I think you just you get to the finals, you better do it. Paul's 36. He'll, he will be a free agent. I'm sure they're going to try to bring him back and all that stuff. But you look at the injuries. And by the way, Phoenix has undergone a lot of injuries this postseason. Like, spare me the whole and Milwaukee. Well, you know, they wouldn't have been there if this hadn't happened. That had. Go look at their 
um, you know, injury situations and players and missed time here this postseason. But no, I think it's I think it's a great run. I think I think the key thing you said of buy in, right? This team you saw last year in the bubble and they won they went eight and zero, still didn't make the playoffs, but you saw the buy in there. You saw Monty Williams. You see Willie Green as an assistant who at this point may be the favorite to be the Pelicans next head coach. Talk about you know, X's and O's, all that's important, but it's not the number one thing on the list. The number one thing is all the players have to feel like they have to know that you love them, that you care about them, and then the rest kind of follows after that. But And that's where I guess the schism between, you know, if we're talking about the Pelicans, Gus Kattengill, our Saints and Pelicans correspondent here with us, just a great sketch. I'm Scott Prather, ESPN 1420. There was a schism between Van Gundy and, and David Griffin, right? Van Gundy's like, you know, their they're, they're number one priority is culture and trying to get everyone to kind of care about each other. And my thing is just about basketball and winning games. And I'm like, well, you missed the boat there. And David Griffin completely missed the boat because that's all he's been preaching since he got there. And then he just hired a guy that has insinuated on some podcast over the last week that he doesn't think is that important. So now you're, you know, you're talking about positive vibes only. And I start talking to Pelicans and I'll get really negative. So back, back to the Suns, And I, I think Milwaukee, I think those guys, you know, Chris, say it wasn't just me, Scott. It's yeah. not just me. You're right. You just start talking about the Pels, it'll put you in a bad mood. No, look, I, I think I think I think Milwaukee's also had a great season. I think it's good that, that Giannis is, you know, signed the extension that he wants to be there. Um I think they still got a chance to have some fun and, and make this a series. I really do. Um heading back to Milwaukee. Chris Middleton was awful last night. Guy makes thirty three million dollars. But we have seen him in times this postseason, Gus look like an extraordinary player. So, you know, who's to say he's not going to do that in game three and or game four or another game? He was just bad last night. I mean, and, and he deserves to be called out for it, but you also know what he's capable of. So I think both of these teams, man, I like the new flavor. I like the new blood. I like the fact that there's not a single player in this finals that's ever won an NBA championship that's about to. Um, I don't know that it's going to really change the landscape of the NBA in terms of, how superstar players think about their situations or how teams are trying to build. There'll probably be a few copycats, but Phoenix, man, this thing just kind of, it just, it came together in a, in a way that hasn't been championship level results before. And yet I think it's about to be championship results with, with Phoenix. So I, um, yeah, I'm, that's just a long winded way of saying, yeah, to the answer to your question that most folks listening probably don't remember what the question was, but you know what? We ramble. All right. We ramble. Lay off. Right. Um, you know, I think one of the other aspects of it is you brought up Willie and man, it, I've gone from remember last week saying, Hey, look, this name sort of is popping up, hearing a lot of people here locally bringing them up. And I would say the fact that the wizards, the magic and the Pelicans still don't have a head coach. Now I know, Yesterday there was a report of a, you know, an assistant over there interviewing with Washington. But, um, you know, I, I, I wonder if because there's two assistants in Milwaukee, right? Um, yeah, that are up for Ham and for uh, Ham and, and and Charles Lee. Yeah, and Charles Lee, right here with the Pels and in other places. I mean, Charles Lee hasn't just interviewed with with New Orleans or been the guy that the Pels have wanted to interview. It's the other teams as well. So I think everyone's sort of waiting for the end of the final. So if you're sitting there going, where is the Pels head coach? He's probably on one of those side benches. Um, it, just, it just, I think, legitimately is. But the more I look at it, I would say, look, and I'm not just saying because 
they may be a a world champion, but I think it's you know look, you, you know, um, Willie Green's agent loved the fact that Chris Paul at the end of game one mentioned how Willie Green said we should be doing this you know, all of a sudden because he's probably sitting there going, that's awesome. That's what I like to hear right there, baby. Just keep talking about what coach is saying. But you you just, you know, talked about the importance of a a team that, you know, and again, my three principles, accountability, buy-in, and leadership. And we've touched on the importance you just wonder if a guy like Willie Green makes a lot of sense um, to to do it, you know, because you have Fred Vinson, who's the shot doctor. Maybe you elevate him to the number two so he can kind of look at it from the next perspective, the next coaching round, next coaching circle. You know, he'll get a look-see, but I don't know if that's something you want. I'd like to keep him here forever. Um, but – you know, I, I would say, look, you have Fred Vincent, you have Teresa Witherspoon, two two assistants that Pell's players have, you know, given a ton of credit for working with them, connect with them, all of that. Um, and then you get a, a veteran coach that can sort of help Willie as he learns on the bench, but you're bringing them in for a couple of things. Scott, if, if they win two more games, you realize that's just that, that would be his third championship. He's only been coaching since 2016. So he would have won his third NBA championship as an assistant. Now, I get it. The first two have been with the Warriors. But you want to talk about learning or, or being around egos. And, and a guy, look, you can say what you want about Steve Kerr, his politics, and how he speaks out certain ways. Is he a good coach? Not, but it's the same with Phil. You have to handle egos I mean, and, and, and star power. And – when the Warriors won those two championships, I mean, they were the show, right? So handling a, 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 a name like Zion, handling young players, um, I think the experience of the Suns team, of how, how do you get a guy like DeAndre Aiden who, you know, thought his stuff didn't stink out of college. He says it himself. Like, I had to wake up, grow up, mature. We saw last year Jackson Hayes kind of had a moment like that, right? Um, and it's helped. He still has a way to go. I think Brandon Ingram has to as well, based on some of the stuff I've seen this offseason in a story in particular, Scott, that I'll tell you offline one day. But um, I think a guy like him could come in and he check some of those boxes that I think apparently have become important um, this offseason. And based on my conversation with people, being a former player is somebody that um, – a lot of those players really feel is key. So I don't know. The more I think about it, man, I would have offered the job already. They may have. I don't know. I, I just think he'd be a good fit, to be honest with you. Great stuff from Gus Kangel, our Saints and Pelicans correspondent, ESPN 1420. I'm Scott Prather. Final question of the morning, Gus. Thank you for taking the time. Want to end on a Saints note. Who is a player on the Saints in 2021 that has never been a pro bowler and I don't mean like, you know, fifth, sixth alternate, right? But like voted to a Pro Bowl that you think has never been to one that this year, if you had to pick a player that hasn't, that will, who are you going with on the roster? Hmm, that's a good question. That hasn't been a Pro Bowler that you think that will. 
Wow. I'd have to honestly think about that. I'll, because I'll, I, I'm thinking. Yeah, I could go. go I could go first. So I'm, I'm thinking about it. Like, part of me kind of wants to say Onyemata in a way because he's gotten better every year. But then I remember point. how stacked that position is in the NFC. Right. And you remember in 2018, Sheldon Rankins, by far his best season as a pro, right, didn't didn't get voted to the Pro Bowl. And he was awesome. And he had sacks, which is a big thing for a D-tackle getting voted in. It's a big, big plus, right? So I'm looking at just the reputation of the Saints offensive line. And I'm not going to take the easy route and say Ryan Ramchek, who's, by the way, been a multiple-time, three-time AP All-Pro, but never a Pro Bowler, because that's that's just ridiculous and dumb. But I won't say that, because that's, that's just... That he, I'm going to say Eric McCoy. He's never been voted all AP All-Pro. He's never been to a Pro Bowl, but just has that feeling as a center man, you know, saying strapped to the center in the first round. Is he going to play guard? Is he going to play center? Are they going to move McCoy? They're like, no, we ain't moving McCoy anywhere. Um... You've seen him, you know, in the screen game, get deep down the field from the center position to throw in blocks 30 yards later. I like, I, I think in terms of looking at Saints rep at O-line, the fact that they get a lot of interior O-linemen into the Pro Bowl over the years, uh, that's my pick would be an Eric McCoy. That takes you a very interesting kick in the fact that right last year the team drafted somebody to replace them at center. Um, and then this off season, you hear Caesar say, "No, I'm, I'm, I'm staying at guard." So maybe along to your point, they saw improvement last year, and to your point, it could be somebody that kind of, you know, um, takes it to that next step. And it's something that you and I, I think, we're talking about as well um, in terms of why I think this quarterback position is the battle is going to be important because. One of the things that Drew Brees did was obviously make a lot of those calls. So who's going to be the guy making those calls now? I mean, does somebody on the offensive line that normally is the center step up and make some of those O-line calls? You know, one of the famous plays last year when Taysom started was Teron Armstead being overheard on the, right. you know, on the, on, on, on the uh, audio. A, yeah, in a red zone situation, telling them what to do. Right. Saying this guy's not blitzing, don't worry about him, you know, something like that. So you know, if he does take up that vocal, you know, sort of leadership or or role for Jameis or Taysom Hill, then that could be it. I, I, I don't know, Scott. I'm trying to think. Marcus Williams has never been a pro bowler, huh? Nope. Or did he? No, did no, he's never a pro bowler. Okay, because I, I, I was going to say that based on this. Um, Neither is DeMario Davis for some, some crazy reason, but anyway. Well, that's silly. I mean, that's right. ridiculous. But, you know, you're thinking of – Right. You, I what, think you know the exercise tag. I'm going for, right? You can't name Davis or Ramchek sure. because they should have been, right? These other guys to this right. point probably shouldn't have been, but but will they take that step You're talking about elevating their game where you and I will be sitting Correct. there going, how are they not pro bowlers? Because it's crazy. Right. Nobody watches the game, but everybody gets bent out of shape when they don't make the team. <laughs> Yeah, right, um, right, exactly. That's all that really matters. I mean, that's how it works. Yeah. No one cares about well, the game. because of contracts, right? I mean, it's a, it's Absolutely. A, it's a Every agent um, wants their guy why, in the Pro Bowl, trust me. Bingo. And that's why I'm bringing up, I think, uh, Marcus Williams, man. Um, I, I've been told a lot this offseason. And look, I, I'm not saying I don't – if he's the Marcus Williams – that we saw as a rookie, yeah, he's. I think he's one of the top safeties in the league. I mean, he was always in position. He never was behind um, in, a, in a trail position. I, I thought he played incredible 
And it was, it, I like to the point where when that play happened in Minnesota, my, you gotta be, like, I was just shocked. I'm like that, that we didn't see that all year. You know, mm-hmm. he was, he was a guy that completely secured the secondary, you know, and, and Scott, I mean, I, man, I've got in like sh- shouting match arguments on the air with people that cover the team. They're like, no, he's one of the, he's a top five safety. I'm like, okay, you feel so. I just, he's a horrible tackler. Um, and he's gotten to me. He hasn't improved to the point that I would say he's continually. In his rookie year, it looked like areas. he was on a, a route to becoming an an all pro, and okay. and he and he has not continued. Like it, it was, it was, he was moving down the. He let's just say if he's running a marathon, man, he ran that first half in year one, and he's right. still running and, the rest of it right now. Um, and, and, you know, uh, yeah. And, and of course there's always the talk about how much that, you know, the Minneapolis miracle psychologically, what did it do to him? Yada, yada, yada. Um, clearly the saints value him immensely, uh, with the franchise tag. They didn't want to lose him. He covers a lot of ground. Um, you know, he's, uh, we'll see. Yes. Can he take that step? I kind of like where you're going with that as well. Okay. So Williams. Right. And that's what I'm saying is that I have gotten in some shouting matches with people saying, no, he is, he's gotten better. Okay. Well, you know what? You need a new contract. You've been franchise tag. Um, I, I would say this is sort of the year, right? Show me that you are, you know, an all pro or a, you know, pro bowl player. So, but yeah, it's an interesting question. Scott. I had to think about it a quick bit because I want to say again, with this team, all the potential, right? I keep I keep calling them a potential playoff team, and I keep saying, look, I mean, you know, could it be somebody on the offensive end that's a receiver, Scott? And, you know, I actually said I, I could see I, – I think I was just maybe just being funny, but I, I could argue it. You know, I, I said Trey Quan Smith's going to have 10, 10 TD catches this year. Um he had four, right? He needs six more. He had six or something of that nature. So I, he doesn't need that many more, and, and I think he's going to be targeted a lot more, and he has the potential to sort of do that, and he's working a ton with Jameis Winston. So, you know, you get a guy like that or a Callaway or somebody that uh, comes out of nowhere and has an offensive production, maybe that could be a guy so that Troutman, right? But you have so many tight ends, man, that are stacked yeah, yeah. And, and receivers, so it would be hard. Gus Kangel has been our guest, guys. If you're not following him on Twitter, I don't know what you're doing. Do it. If you're not already doing it, do it. You probably are. At GCAT underscore 17, at GKATT underscore 17. Check out the show. It's called The Sports Hangover on ESPN 100.3 in New Orleans. One of my favorite shows, not just in this state, in any state. He's been in the game for years. We began this conversation referencing how we used to have to wake up at 3.30 to go to work back in the early to mid two thousands and uh, how our lives have changed since then quite a bit, but yeah, we're still getting up early. Well, that part of it, that part of it hasn't changed, but uh, I think every other part has, um, and, and including like how much sleep I need has certainly changed as well. Uh, never getting enough, but guys, thanks for waking up with us. We'll, uh, we'll talk soon and, um, appreciate the time as always, my friend. Always a pleasure, Scott. Take care, buddy. You got it. ESPN1420.com, Gus Gagengill. Coming up next, Charlie Long gets behind Mike, too. The man who just hates feel-good stories. He's probably he's probably rooting for someone to get hurt in the finals. That's how callous, that's how cold, that's how dark this man's heart is. Don't go anywhere. The 8 o'clock hour of the Great Scott Show coming up next.